0: For the past several weeks, we've been looking at a series that's based on the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes found in Matthew chapter 5. They are the beginning of the longest recorded sermon that we have of Jesus called the Sermon on the Mount. Um, I have said for four weeks, we've we've talked about this for four weeks, and yet, oddly enough, I realized uh, yesterday as I was preparing this, We haven't yet read the Beatitudes, so we're going to do that this morning and uh, uh, get our groundwork. We've grabbed uh, little pieces here and there as we've gone along, but Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 1, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside, and he sat down, and the disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the weak, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the poor at heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you. And persecute you, and falsely say all kind of evil things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. What I want you to understand is, none of those phrases are ambiguous. None of them are left open to interpretation. Jesus does not say at any point along the way, uh, "Blessed on are the merciful." Maybe. You know, somebody might look better on them. They they might be shown a little bit of mercy. Uh, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. They might get a little bit. That's not what he says, right? He said, blessed are you when you put yourself in this position, when this is your attitude, because here's the response. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. That's what we talked about last week. When you are so hungry for God's righteousness, when you are so thirsty for his righteousness, uh, Jesus himself said, when you're in that position, you will be filled. Right? So if you walk around and say to yourself, well, I I feel like I just can't quite get enough of God, you might have to get a little bit hungrier can I say that? Is that okay to say in church that sometimes we're, we're responsible? instead of It's not always God's fault. Sometimes it's us. Our text this morning is, Blessed are the pure at heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure at heart, for they will, the pure in heart, for they will see God. We've talked about being poor at spirit, humble. We've talked about hungering, thirsting after righteousness. Today we want to talk about being pure at heart. And one step beyond that is what does it mean to see God? Blessed are the pure at heart for they will see God. Does that mean you're going to have a vision of Jesus? Maybe. Does that mean you're going to, what, what, is that? what does that mean? Does that mean when I die and I go to heaven then I'm going to be in God's presence? Is that what that means? That's part of it. I think what our text today is really about is God wanting to bring a higher purpose to every aspect of our lives, the purpose of being transformed into the people that God wants us to be, and then as we live out that transformation, it would be to God's honor and to his glory. Blessed are the, poor, are the pure at heart for they shall see God. You see, if we think that being pure at heart is just for us, I think we miss the whole point. Does God want us pure at heart? Certainly. But as we talked about last week, God wants us to reflect His light and His life and actually reflect Christ in the community around us. Purity in heart is about Him. It's not about us. There's something we have to do but it's not about us. Transformation is the first thing that we that that happens in our life. That when we turn to God, we get saved, that's what we call it. We have a relationship with God. That transformation begins in our heart. we we the the Bible says literally that we are we are translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his glorious son. We come out of a life of death and darkness and sickness and and being overcome and overpowered into the kingdom of light how many of you feel like you're in the kingdom of light this morning seven yes that's good there's a lot of room then for the rest of us right We move, we are birthed, we're actually baptized, we're submerged, we're taken out of this family and submerged into Christ's family when we are submerged into Him. That means we're new people, right? Right, my grandson agreed, right? Right, I'm not sure where you all are at this morning. But here's the deal. We cannot expect change in our daily life we cannot expect change in the way that we live if there is no change in our heart and if there is no change in our mind if we think that by coming to the altar and saying oh God I need you and I love you and I want you in my heart and I'm sorry and we come up here and we kneel down and we pray and somebody prays with us if we think that's the, the end we've missed it all right? Because that's not the end. That's just the beginning. That is the beginning. As a matter of fact, transformation really... Okay, transformation has happened. It's complete. We are born again. We're as born again. We're as saved as we're ever going to get. But the transformation that takes place in our life is just only beginning. It is just on the, on the... We're just on the cusp of it. Where there was greed, now there is generosity. You say, well, I'm not sure I feel generous hang on plug in where there was fear now there's peace where there was despair now there's hope where there's bitterness and hurt now there's forgiveness and healing transformation needs to first come into our hearts excuse me (coughs) transformation needs to come into our heart and Jesus said when this happens when that transformation comes you will see God If I said to you, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew and re, uh, renew a steadfast spirit. How many of you know where that comes from? Many of us know. That comes from Psalm 51, right? Here we have David. David, who's been part of a, he's been caught in a treacherous, murderous, adulterous lie. And the prophet Nathan comes to David. Nathan could have been killed. David saw Bathsheba taking a bath on the roof. A ways away, he wasn't supposed to be there. He should have been out to war with the other kings. No, he's, he's here in town hanging out. He saw something that looked good, and he invited her over. He had an affair with this woman. She got pregnant. Then he had her husband killed. I mean, this was, this was bad, 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 getting worse, going downhill all the time. And Nathan finally steps up and says, dude, you did wrong, and, and, and David could have killed him. And yet here's his response. In Psalm 51, in verse 1, he says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. Not according to what he's done, but according to God's unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away my iniquities, cleanse me from my sin. I know my transgression. My sin is always before me. Let's just stop there for a minute. How many of you are bold enough to raise your hand and say at some point in life you've done something wrong? Good. See, that's better than the last seven that were there. How many of you know that when you do something wrong, especially when you really do something wrong, that is in front of your face all the time? It's like you just cannot get past it. I turn the corner and go, oh man, there it is again. I can't believe I did it again. I can't believe I did it again. I can't believe I'm stuck in this spot, oh God. And that's what David's saying. David's saying, my sin, my transgression, it's in my face and there's nothing I can do about it. It's there all the time. And then he comes to this recognition. I know my transgression. My sin is before me all the time. And he comes to this recognition that he says, you God set the rules. You're the one who established how this is all supposed to lay out. And in verse 4 he says, "Against you and against you only have I sinned and done what's evil in your sight." You're the one who established this. It's your rules that I broke. I may have hurt other people, I may have, but you're the one that I sinned against. He goes on and he says, "You are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in the secret place. You can grab a hold of that. I don't think he's just talking about David. I think he's talking about each one of us. We come into this life as believers, Christians, and we have to make that choice. But God, when he knits us together, he puts truth in our heart. We know, we know when we sin for that first time. Nobody's got to tell us. We know. I've told the story before about the first time I smoked a cigarette. I was back on the second 40, behind the first 40, crouched down behind a bush, covered up with my hands. You'd have had to look for me with a heat-seeking missile, and nobody cared, Right? And I'm back there smoking a cigarette. And the next time, it wasn't quite so bad. I was standing up smoking a cigarette. And the next time, I didn't go back 40 acres. I only went back 20 acres. And we get more and more brazen with our sin. But I knew it was wrong. I knew it was wrong. And God began to work in my heart. Well, that wasn't until I decided that I was going to shut him out. I was going to harden my heart. I was not going to stand for that thing called conviction. Here in verse 7, he says, Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. See, that's what happens when we accept Jesus Christ. When we come to that point where we say, you know what, God, I need you in my life. That's what these stories were about was, I need God, I find out from his word that his word is real, his word is true, his word is life, and I need that in my life. So he cleanses us. He washes away that sin. But here's the problem. The problem is that is not the end. That is the beginning. Now we have to act. Act on that let me hear joy and gladness let the bones that you have crushed rejoice hide your face from my sin blot out my iniquity then David says create in me a pure God a pure heart O God and renew a steadfast spirit within me do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me restore the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit To sustain me, God, I need to change in my life. I believe that what the, the beginning of this pure heart is something needs to take place inside of us. We need to recognize that it's God that we've sinned against. We need to recognize that he's the only one who gives us hope. He's the one who gives us life. But when we do that, we need to realize that there's some cleaning that needs to go on. honest you know we think about the term pure and sometimes you think about well getting something really clean and soapy and sudsy and scrub it up i think jesus when he talks about pure he's not talking about soapy and sudsy he's talking about deep cleansing deep cleaning I don't watch it often. I've seen uh, uh, Restaurant Rescue, I think it is, on TV, you know, when these people are serving food out of the back and everything's all great. And this guy walks in and he's like, close this place down. Look at this slime under here. When was the last time that was clean? When was this clean? When was You're going to kill people. You're going to poison people. If you ever want to find out what restaurant in town you want to go and eat at and what one you don't, talk to an American linen driver. They're the ones who go in the back of the restaurant. They're going to tell you what it looks like where the cleaning surfaces are. You go and talk to those guys. They'll tell you where you need to go and where you don't need to go. Look around the back. See, most places don't do a deep cleaning, and most of us don't do a deep cleaning. We get right with God, and we're all happy with that, but God wants to change what's inside, what's deep inside, because I'm here to tell you if you You come to church, you accept God, but you don't let him do some deep cleaning. You're going to keep dragging around that old hurt, dragging around that old unforgiveness, and guess what? All those old habits are going to come right back. And probably, scripturally, they're going to get worse. There's a reason for that. Create in me a clean heart is this kind of cleansing. And I believe it refers to our attitude. It refers to how we live our life, how we carry out our life. When Jesus confronted the religious leaders of his time, he started out with, Woe to you, you teachers of the law and you Pharisees, you hypocrites. You know all the right things to say. You just don't do it. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but the inside is all full of greed and self-indulgences. Jesus wants the inside of your cup, my cup, our vessel, he wants it as clean as the outside. I'm gonna go one step farther and say that Jesus wants us to be as clean on the inside as we appear to be on the outside. And now we're gonna go one step farther. I think he wants us to be so clean on the inside that that's what comes out and reflects on the outside you know it's easy to look good on the outside we can all do it right you don't believe me go for a job interview oh man you're all pressed and dressed and ready to go and everything's good you can walk on water for a new job for 90 days if you have to but you just can't keep that attitude up for long if it's not inside right? Jesus wants us to get so cleaned up on the inside, and he says, and when you do, when you get there, you're going to see God. How, what's that, that going to look like? What's that going to look like? I can tell you what it's going to look like. I really want to, and I'm not, I'm not out of time. I was going to say I'm out of time, but I'm not. This is what it looks like. You go and get so cleaned up on the inside, and all of a sudden, you change the way you behave. And when you change the way you behave, people change the way they respond to you. And when people change the way they respond to you, you're going to go, man, it's almost like like I see God in there. It's like there's something that's really going on in there. You know why? Because it's coming out of you. It's coming out of you. God wants to change us at such a deep level. But if we're just going to play surface stuff with God, he can't do it, and you're not going to see God. You're not going to see transformation. You can get born again and probably make your way on into heaven, but you're not going to see God on a daily basis because you're not going to behave like Christ to the world around you. You want to see God on a daily basis serve like Jesus served, live like Jesus lived. Jesus wants the inside of the cup. He wants that deep cleaning. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 16, Paul's talking about this transformation and he says so from now on, get a hold of this, get a hold of this, okay, get a hold of this because we we don't read verse 16 we only read verse 17. We quote verse 17, we don't read verse 16. Paul says in verse 16 from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once we re- regarded Christ in this way we do so no longer. Paul is saying that That when I come to that point of salvation, when I accept what Jesus Christ has done in my life, now i don't regard anybody from a i'm not going to look at anybody anymore from a worldly point of view well well, what does that mean okay so looking at somebody from a worldly point of view, I see our brother sitting here who's got some tattoos <laughs> you you got a ponytail man Ooh, boy. That Jesus, he's kind of a religious fanatic. Hey, we're not really sure about that. You know, this guy over here, he's got a couple of kids, no, no life around, uh, I'm not really sure. We look at, face it, let's just be really honest, okay? As Christians, we walk around quite often looking at people from a worldly point of view. Honestly, somebody walks up to you, be honest, you know, nobody needs to raise your hand, but be honest. We know. Somebody walks up to you with an armful of tattoos and you don't got any, you're going, I'm not really sure. I'm standing. I, got to work. I had to have a truck worked on one time. I'm in Hibbing. So, I, First of all, it's against the law for me to drive this truck down the highway. I'm just confessing that right now because I didn't have a Class A driver's license. But I took it out to the shop, and I'm standing there waiting in line, and I hear some guy walk up behind me. Click, 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 click. I hear his his cowboy boots clicking as he walks up behind me. I'm I'm a Christian. I, you know. So, you know, I hear a little chit-chat behind me. I finally turn around. Well, this dude has got to be, I don't know, 6'8", 380. I mean, he is no little cat. I'm standing here and I kind of feel him breathing down on the top of my head almost. You're trying to turn around and look. Bald as the day is long. Shoulders like this. And he's got a tattoo of a spider web that starts right here. And it works its way out. And he's got a big old spider somewhere over here. And, you know, you want to be cool. But when you turn around and go, oh, gee. <laughs> Cool's gone. You just, you're, it's just gone at that moment in time. And so I'm kind of choking back a little bit, and, you know, still trying to get my composure together because face it, we judge people. Sorry, we do it. As believers, we do that. And I did it. I judged it, man. I'm figuring, you, you got several years under your belt somewhere. I'm not sure where, but you, I'm, this is not a good, who does that? Who puts a tattoo starting right in the middle of their face and goes back and then has a big old spider right here? Who does that? Okay? You want to know how God works? Here's how God works. Okay? I saw God in all this. Get my heart squared away. This guy's sister, his sister, was working in a Christian school that I happened to be the president of the board of that Christian school. And his sister was our son's personal aide on a daily basis like this has got to be god i got set up and i got busted for my attitude and god was trying to clean my cup god ever tried to clean your cup We need to get our cups clean. Paul says here, no longer are we going to regard anyone from a worldly perspective, from a worldly view. If you become a believer in Jesus Christ and say to yourself, I want to see God, I want to have a pure heart, you can no longer look at people from a worldly view. You have to step back and say, okay, God, what's behind the beard? What's behind the hat? What's behind the tattoo? What is it? where is this person hurt, where are they lost, how can I reach, how can I be light to them? Therefore, Paul says, see we miss this, therefore if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation, Uh, the new creation has come, old things are gone, the new is here. Put, we have put that together. Let me read this. Put this together. We're going to run out of time here. So from now on, we regard no one from, a world, from the worldly point of view. Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we no longer do so. Therefore, because of that, because I'm no longer going to regard anyone that way. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, a new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He's saying we used to look at Jesus one way and now that we've accepted Christ, we can't look at him that way anymore. And by the way, we can't look at anyone else that way. Here's what you need to understand historically. He's in the city of Corinth. In the city of Corinth, they had all kinds of debauchery, all kinds of sin, all kinds. They used to use temple priestesses, which really means they were temple prostitutes. So when they got done with the church service, they had another service going on and back. That's what was going on, and man, you were the proudest of all dads if you happen to have a daughter who was going to be a temple prostitute. She was really something. I'm not saying this was going on in the church of Jesus Christ, but this is the spiritual stuff that was going on, and Paul's saying from now on when we accept Christ, when somebody around us accept Christ, I don't care where you were at, I don't care what it was you did, I don't care who it was you used to hang out with, when you accept Christ, I have to look at you from a different perspective, no longer am I gonna look at you from that perspective of the world that says you're trash, of the world that says you're this, of the world that says, now I need to look at you with different eyes and say, how would God have me see that person? Because that's where transformation comes from. And Jesus said in the Beatitudes, when you do that, you're gonna see God. When your heart's pure, when my heart's pure, All of a sudden, I'm going to see God. How am I going to see God? I'm going to see God in in the eyes of a little baby who's getting help maybe for the first time. I'm going to see uh, God in the eyes of a mom or, or a son, somebody who's been beaten and abused and somebody who's been looked down on, and all of a sudden, I'm going to see them with the eyes of Christ, and I'm going to see God. Jesus said, whatsoever you do to the least of these, that you do unto me. We're we're walking in the middle of a, of a challenge here. Does this mean that when I accept Christ or that when, when, when John accepts Christ or Mike or Pete or Sally or Bob, that instantly they're gonna be like Jesus? Nope. Instantly they're, gonna sin, they're not gonna sin anymore? Nope. Does it mean that the whole world is filled with unicorns and butterflies just because I accept? Nope. And it means that we're called to step up our game. Believers were called. Jesus, if you will remember, when he was teaching when these Beatitudes, he was speaking to his disciples. He was speaking to his followers. And he said, if you guys will simply get your hearts pure, you're going to see God, I'll guarantee it. You're going to see the Father, I'll guarantee it. But it comes with us, A, changing our heart. B, it comes with us changing our mind. Paul speaks to the church in Philippians in verse uh, chapter 4, starting in verse 4, and he says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Let your gentleness be, be evident just to those who do things right. To the guy who cut you off in traffic. For the lady who's bumped her cart into you. To the, to the, to the lady whose cart got away from her in the parking lot and smashed the side of your brand new truck. Let your gentleness be evident to all. We had a, we had a, a uh, conversion van at one point. All of our kids, all four of them were in car seats at the same time. Thank you very much. So they're all in their car seats. We had a conversion van, just got it not too long before. It wasn't new. But it had fancy stripes. Well, light brown a, brown, a little bit darker brown, a little bit darker brown, a little bit darker brown. All fancy stripes going down the side. Got the fourth of our four children in the vehicle. Yeah, they got side doors, you know, on the side here to open up. And I'm hanging on the doors, and I'm like, "Just get your seat belt done. Just get buckled up." And I'm hanging, "Just get buckled up." And all of a sudden, I realize my arms are going like this, and I realize that somebody has just crashed into the side of my conversion van. And then I realized immediately after that that it was the pastor's 15-year-old son as he was bringing dad's truck around and cut things short. And he's panicked. What do I do? Wanting to stand on it. Stop, 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 stop. Just stop, stop, stop. Then boom. Okay. Go back, look. Okay, come forward, come forward. Turn your wheels up. Okay, we got the vehicles unhooked. And our worship leader, who is in a vehicle right alongside, comes up to me afterwards and he's like, I'm really impressed how you handled that, man. It was really good. You could have lost it. I think I'd have lost it. You could have lost it. You're really good. And I want to tell you, that built a relationship with me and that young man for a number of years, man. He, over time, that never came up again. By the way, they never got the paint job right on it either. They could never get all those colors. I had to sell the van. I just couldn't take it. That corner just did not match. It just, I couldn't handle it. So. But God wants God wants our righteousness. He wants that purity of our heart to be evident to everyone around us. Everyone, including your family. Because sometimes it's easy to be righteous to everybody else. But the ones that we go home with, the ones that we know on a personal basis, the ones that really know us, sometimes that's not so evident there. We're going to close now. I'm about halfway through my notes. That'll put us at about quarter after 12. But we're not going to do that. So let's close in prayer. We're going to keep this up next week. We're going to go at it again. And we're going to look at how do we change our mind? We change our heart. And that's the start. We've got to change our mind in order to really live this thing out. Father, thank you for each person who's here. Thank you for the Gideon's ministry. God, I pray that you would just bless John. I pray that you'd pour into the Gideon's ministry. And I pray that as those testaments go out, your word says that your word goes forth and it does what it's it's set forth to do. It accomplishes that which it's set forth to do. So I pray that as we give to that, Father, there would be fruit in the spirit. there would be fruit in eternity because of that word going out. Thank you for that. Again, bless that ministry. I thank you for each person who's here, each person who's watching us online. God, I pray that you would change our hearts and then change our minds so that we can be a mirror, we can be a reflection of Christ, to the community around us. That, I believe, is what you'd have us to do is have our cups cleaned on the inside, so much so that it reflects through on the outside. Bless this body of people. Bless this congregation now in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have yourselves a great week.